evidence and answers. Jesus and Muhammad are the leaders of the largest religions in the world. Muslims believe that Jesus was not the divine son of God, but another human prophet representing God. Muhammad is believed to be the last and greatest of God's prophets. How does the life and teachings of Muhammad compare with that of Jesus? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Listen now as Pat compares the lives of these two men and see the contrast between their lives and their teachings in a message entitled, The Cross and the Crescent. Chapter 4 of the Quran says that they said in boast, we killed Christ Jesus, son of Mary, the apostle of Allah, but they killed him not, nor crucified him, but so was made to appear to them, and those who differ therein are full of doubts, with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow, for of a surety they killed him not. Nay, Allah raised him up unto himself, Allah exalted in power, and is wise. Hey, so they reject the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you can see the Jesus of the Quran is very different from the Jesus of the Bible. In the Bible, Jesus is clearly taught to be the unique divine Son of God. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Matthew 1.23, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the Bible clearly teaches that Christ died for sins and he rose again. And in fact, it's one of the most verified historical facts in history. On what basis, on what historical basis does the Quran deny the death and resurrection of Jesus? On what historical grounds? When I ask my Muslim friends, they don't have any. This is one of the most well-attested facts in history. We have tremendous compelling evidence of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have debated this on campuses all over the world, on radio, and professors far, far smarter than I have have debated this topic, and the evidence for the resurrection has never been beat. Now, the New Testament is written 20 to 30 years after the resurrection of Christ. That's in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. Legends take over a hundred years to develop. Historical research shows that. Why is that? Well, because all the eyewitnesses have to pass from the scene in order for legend to start creeping in and sticking. Otherwise, there's too many eyewitnesses who can verify your accounts as true or false. If I were to claim I have written the most accurate biography of John F. Kennedy today that the world has ever seen, I have written the most accurate biography. All right? And in my biography, I write, John F. Kennedy was taken to Parkland Hospital there in Dallas, Texas. He died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. People in the hospital saw him. Hundreds of nurses and, and doctors saw him. He began preaching at the steps of Prestonwood Baptist and First Baptist Dallas and at City Hall. Uh, Forty days he preached and he was taken up to heaven. Hey, and I went to Dallas today to market my book as the most accurate biography of JFK. How long, how long would my book last there in Dallas, Texas? Probably not even an hour, right? I mean, it's been what, 60 years? I'd be laughed out of town, all right? 
Why? Too many eyewitnesses who can verify my account is false. Well, the Gospels are written 20 to 30 years after the life of Christ. Paul's letter is even earlier. And they're being circulated, not in India or China, in the very land of Israel, where all these events happen. Where the eyewitnesses who could verify their accounts as true or false were still alive to scrutinize their work. And believe me, they were looking to stomp out Christianity. Okay, if there was any way to discredit the credibility of the gospel writers, the critics would have come out in full force and discredited them. The thing is, they did not. The gospels could not have lasted had they not been accurate. You write a book. Write a book. I've written a few. The critics will come after you and your wife and your kids and your dog and your cat and your grandma and your ancestors. I mean, they'll come after you. All right, because you're going to be heavily scrutinized. These guys were heavily scrutinized because their message was not welcome in the land of Israel. So the Gospels could not have lasted had it not been true. Then we have ancient creeds, over a dozen. The most famous one is found in 1 Corinthians 15 of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This creed, we can date to within one to three years of the resurrection even earlier than that. Way too early, way too early for legends to develop. The preaching begins just days after the resurrection. Where? In the city of Jerusalem, where the people who crucified Christ were still there. They're still there in power. And the apostles go into the worst, most hostile arena and say, hey, the guy you just killed, the guy right outside the city gate, he's the risen, resurrected Messiah bow down and worship him. It's not like the grave of Christ was in uh, Orange County. I mean, you go to Jerusalem. We just came back from Israel, and the old city of Israel is pretty small, okay? It's it's smaller than the county, you know, Chino Hills. Christ was crucified right outside the city gates on the main road. I mean, it was visible to all. His grave was right outside the city gates, not very far, not very far. It's like me telling you, well, there's a guy who died and resurrected again. His grave is about half a mile from here. Easy for you guys to check out. There's no way the preaching could have survived just days after in the city of Jerusalem. Then we have non-Christian testimony, non-Christian writings. The Jewish Talmud, Josephus, Pliny the Younger, Tacitus, Julius Africanus, and others who are hostile to Christianity. But they affirm the death of Jesus Christ and that his disciples believed he had risen from the dead. Hey, we call this in historical work enemy attestation. And those of you who work in the field of law know when your opponent verifies your facts, that's some of the most powerful testimony in court. That's what we have here. The evidence is so compelling that even some of the most liberal scholars, John Dominic Crossan, Bart Ehrman, who deny 80% of the Gospels as fiction, they say that he was crucified is as sure as anything historical can be. That's one of the most, these are from the most liberal scholars, atheist scholars of the New Testament. So on what historical basis does the Quran reject the death and resurrection of Christ? I would say that is an error in the Quran. And that's major. That's a major historical error in the Quran. Why is that major? Because the Quran is believed to be the perfect book that has come down to us from heaven. And the copy that we have here is what you would see in heaven. Absolutely perfect in every way. 
no mistakes, no changes whatsoever here. Yet we have several errors here. One of the most major is the rejection of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, one of the most well-attested to facts of history. Now, when you look in the Quran, it's interesting, though, and this is something to point out to your Muslim friends. Even in the Quran, Jesus is greater than Muhammad. The virgin birth of Christ is affirmed in the Quran. That Christ was sinless is affirmed in the Quran. In the Quran, Muhammad is told several times to repent and confess of your sin. He is called the Messiah. It affirms that Christ did many miracles, and prophets are confirmed by miracles in the Quran. And Muhammad in the Quran does not do any miracles. Jesus called the Word of God, that Jesus never died. His body was taken up to heaven. So even in the Quran, Jesus is greater than Muhammad. So you can ask your Muslim friends, wouldn't you want to study about this Jesus. And if you look at the Jesus of the Bible, there's even a greater contrast there. Muhammad only claimed to be a prophet. Jesus claimed to be the unique divine Son of God and confirmed his claim through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. Jesus fulfilled dozens of Old Testament prophecies written centuries before he set foot upon the earth. Jesus was sinless. Even his opponents could not point out any sin or wrongdoing that he committed. And Christ was not overcome by death like Muhammad, but instead he overcame death through his resurrection. The tremendous contrast between the Jesus of the Quran and the Jesus of the Bible and Islam's founder and the founder of Christianity. Then we have the doctrine of man, okay, human nature. Islam rejects the doctrine that man is born with a fallen, sinful nature. Men and women are born innocent and remain innocent until they disobey Allah. Man does not have a sinful nature. He is weak and forgetful of God and needs the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah. Adam sinned in the garden according to the Quran, but was forgiven, and his act has no lasting effect on mankind. Chapter 30 of the Quran says, So set thou face steadily and truly to the faith, establish Allah's handiwork according to the pattern on which he has made mankind. No change let there be in work wrought by Allah. In other words, man is born innocent and Try to keep it that way, but when one disobeys Allah, then one must confess his sin. Islamic theologians, for example, Qatar Rega, he writes this, Although Adam disobeyed Allah, he repented and was forgiven and even given guidance for mankind. Man is not born a sinner, and the doctrine of the sinfulness of man has no basis in Islam. Ishmael Faruqi, one of the great theologians and defenders of Islam, wrote this. He said, in the Islamic view, human beings are no more fallen than they are saved. Because they are not fallen, they have no need of a savior. Because they are not saved either, they need to do good works and do them ethically, which alone will earn them the desired salvation. So in Islam, man is not born with a sinful nature. He's born innocent. Therefore, he does not need a savior to pay the price of his sin. Each 
Muslim can earn their way to salvation. Okay, that's why it's a faith and works kind of salvation. The Bible teaches that we are born with a sin nature, that we are born sinful, and therefore we stand condemned before God. There is absolutely nothing we can do to earn our own salvation. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. Hey, the Bible teaches we're all sinners and stand condemned before God. Ephesians 2.1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So the Bible teaches that we are born with a sin nature, and that left on our own, we tend to do what our selfish, sinful nature desires to please self. So the Bible teaches that we're all sinners and we stand condemned before God. And there's nothing that we can do to earn right standing before God. And finally, the doctrine of salvation. How does one attain right standing before Allah? Well, Islam teaches you must believe in the articles of faith and then every man must work hard to earn right standing before Allah. And throughout your life, there's an angel on your left and an angel on your right. And on the day of judgment, the books will be opened. And if Allah is merciful, and if your good works far outweigh your bad works, you'll be allowed into Islamic paradise. And the Islamic paradise taught in the Quran is a sensual paradise, men, drinking wine, never getting intoxicated or drunk, rivers of honey, fruits, meat to eat, and many virgins that they can take for their wives. According to the Hadith, 40 for good men, 70 for martyrs. It says here in the Quran, chapter 36, See the inhabitants of paradise today are busy in their rejoicing, they and their spouses reclining upon couches in shade, Therein they have fruits, and they have all that they called for. Chapter 78 of the Quran. Surely for the God-fearing awaits a place of security, gardens and vineyards and maidens with swelling breasts, like of age, and a cup overflowing. Those are just two verses, but there's many other verses that describe the sensual paradise in the Quran. Now, men are judged by their works, okay? And... On the day of judgment, the books will be opened and you'll stand in judgment before Allah. Chapter 5 of the Quran says, To those who believe and do good deeds of righteousness, hath Allah promised forgiveness and a great reward. Chapter 23 of the Quran, Then when the trumpet is blown, there will be no more relationships between them that day, nor will one ask after another. Then those whose balance of good deeds is heavy, they will attain salvation. But those whose balance is light, will those who have lost their souls in hell, will they abide? The fire will burn their faces and they will therein grin with their lips displaced. Now, since Islam, like 
the other world religions. It's a works-oriented kind of salvation. There is no assurance of salvation. No one knows if they have done enough okay, to enter into paradise. That's true of the cults, right, in Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, and others, and in the other world religions because they are works-based. You never know if you have done enough to attain nirvana or oneness with the divine or heaven or paradise. In a works-oriented kind of religion, there's no assurance of salvation. Muhammad was not clear of his eternal destiny. Ishmael Faruqi, one of the great apologists of Islam, writes this, great as it may be in the eyes of Islam for any person to make the decision to enter the faith, that entry, the entry constitutes no guarantee of personal justification in the eyes of God. There is nothing the new initiate can do which would assure him or her of salvation. Islam denies that a human can attain religious assurance on the basis of faith alone. On the works and deeds constitute justification in God's eyes. Everyone strives and some strive more than others. Religious justification is the Muslim's eternal hope, never their complacent certainty, not for even a fleeting moment. Okay, so in works-oriented religions, there's no assurance of salvation. Now the Bible teaches that we are saved by grace through faith. Because we are sinners, there is nothing we can do to earn right standing with God. It is a gift of grace given to us by God through His Son, Jesus Christ, which we receive through faith. Our salvation is not dependent on what we do. It's dependent on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, which is complete, done. That's why we can have assurance of salvation, because it's not based on us attaining it and being good enough. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's already done. Ephesians 2 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by good works, which any man may boast. Therefore, we can have assurance of salvation. That's why Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and shall not come under judgment. He has passed from death to life. First John writes, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, hey, you may know for sure that you have eternal life. Hey, so throughout the New Testament, we can be sure of our right standing with God and eternal life because it's not based on what I do. Have I done enough? It's based on the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ who paid the full penalty for our sin, conquered sin and death by rising from the dead. And by trusting in him, one can have eternal life. It's not based on what we do. It's based on the finished work of Christ. That's why assurance of salvation is one of the unique aspects of Christianity. You're not going to find that in Islam or really in any other 
world religion because man must achieve right standing with God. It's works-based. So which one is true? Which one is true? Well, let's take a look at the founders here. Let's summarize the differences before we do that. We have a different God in Islam and in Christianity. In Islam, God is a unified monotheism. In Christianity, we have the Trinity, one God revealed in three distinct persons. In Islam, men are good by nature. In the Bible, we are sinful, born with a sin nature. Jesus is simply a prophet who performed powerful miracles in the Quran, a man. In the Bible, Jesus is the unique divine son of God. Salvation in Islam is by one's effort and good works, and hopefully he'll attain right standings with God. In Christianity, there's nothing we can do to earn it. It is a gift of grace we receive by faith. Well, which one is true? Let's look at the founders. Muhammad simply claimed to be a prophet of Allah. Jesus claimed to be the unique divine son of God and confirmed his claim through his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. There is no one like Jesus Christ who claimed to be God, prophesied, and accomplished his own resurrection from the dead. Okay? No founder of any religion comes even close. Muhammad did no miracles in the Quran okay, to confirm his claim to be the prophet of Allah. The Quran, we question its historical nature. We find a lot of errors in the Quran, which is supposed to be the perfect book that has come down to us from heaven. And you'll be seeing a lot of scholarship, a lot of scholarly works coming out now. We have found some of the oldest copies of the Quran in Yemen and in the Middle East. And now we're beginning to examine them and we see there's a lot of changes in those ancient texts. But it's believed to be the perfect book unchanged, no mistakes whatsoever that has come down to us from heaven. But as we study today, there's several significant errors, one of the biggest, rejecting the death and resurrection of Christ. The Gospels, uh, we could spend a whole afternoon on that, did a lot of research on this, is a historically accurate document that tells us about the life of Christ and the unique life that he lived. And then Muhammad was overcome by death. His grave is in Medina, many believe. Christ overcame death, the only one to ever prophesy and accomplish his own resurrection from the dead. When you look at the founders okay, of both religions, you'll see one confirmed his claim to his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. One is alive and one is in the grave. So when you examine Christianity and Islam, you'll see that they're different in very significant ways. And one of the great truths that I've come through after years of study under men far, far more intelligent than I is that indeed in Jesus Christ, we have a Savior, a man who claimed to be the divine Son of God and confirmed his claim to his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for our study today and for each one who is here that seeks to reach their Muslim friends and unbelieving friends for Jesus Christ. We pray that the things that we have studied give us a greater understanding 
of the differences that we have, that we may more accurately present the gospel to our friends with love and with integrity. And I pray that many here would see Muslims, not only Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, atheists, come to wonderful saving knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. And may it be this holiday season that many of it comes to pass for those in here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study, or perhaps even hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 808-483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website at evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share it with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Yeah.